If you're like me thinking being a mom in 2023 is hard, you ain't seen nothing yet. Captain Sophia Rosales-Catina with the Fort Wayne Police Department in Indiana was just finishing up about a year's worth of physical therapy after a horrific car crash while serving on the force when she got the call her husband, Tony, needed rushed to the hospital due to some chest pains. Little did she know at the time, Tony wouldn't make it. There to help her pick up the pieces were two children not yet her own. Three days, three days after losing her husband, she went ahead with their plans to adopt two middle schoolers. She doesn't sugarcoat it. She's had good days. She's had really bad days. Some days when things were so darn bad, she could barely breathe. But through it all, she always showed up. She always put one foot in front of the other. And her journey as a widower has brought her to us here on the News Mom podcast. She mops the floor while mopping up D.C. This is News Mom. Captain Sophia Rosales Catina with the Fort Wayne Police Department in the hot seat this week. Welcome to the News Mom. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I wanted to really emphasize Captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department because, again, it doesn't really matter where anyone's listening from, whether that be Pennsylvania, Kansas, Georgia, or right here from Indiana. The fact that you are involved in law enforcement makes you a really unique mom figure. I feel like I should be really transparent and let listeners know that we know each other. Yes. Um, Yes, we're colleagues. I, I would consider us friends. I would actually consider you a kind of a mentor of mine. I don't even know if you know what? that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> definitely a, a mentor of mine. Because as I said, you are in law enforcement. You are also a single mom. You're the only parent in your family, which we'll get to that. And you also happen to be an adoptive parent. You actually adopted your two kiddos. Um, so you are Unlike any other mom I have ever met in my 34 years of living, <laughs> I have met other moms who are in law enforcement. I have met, you know, only parents before. I have met someone who's adopted children before, but I've never met someone that hits all three. And man, Sophia, right off the bat, I can't imagine some of the challenges that you face as a parent versus some that other parents probably don't face. It's been a long journey. Um, in 2017, I lost my husband suddenly to a heart attack. Um no signs, no symptoms, really, um, that stood out anyway. During that time, we were in process of, of adopting some children that we had come across, um, and we just knew that immediately they were our kids. So they were still at, they were at our house for that weekend um, when he passed. And um, Hold on. So you're getting ready to adopt yeah. these two kiddos, which, by the way, they were... How old at that time? My son was 11. My daughter was 12. That's the other thing, too. You know, you run into adoptive parents, and it's usually babies or small toddlers. Very seldom do you hear these stories about, you know, middle school-aged children being adopted. Yeah. Um, so, so your kids, they were at your house the weekend your husband passed away? Yeah. My, my son and my husband had gone on a fishing trip up to Michigan uh, to catch some walleye and some coho, and they had a great time, caught a lot of fish. Um, my husband probably battled, and it's probably what precipitated the heart attack, was battling this fish that he had caught, this large fish. Um, and he came home that evening. Um, I went to work on the police department. I was third shift at so that time. So you were overnight time. at the time? Yeah, okay. overnight. 
I went to work. He went to bed. He called me early in the morning. Uh, wasn't feeling well. Got him to the hospital. He ended up dying a couple hours after being in the hospital. Um, the kids were at home. Um, they were just moving in. They were coming for permanency on Wednesday. He died on Sunday. Uh, it, you know, we had we had gone through this adoption process for probably six or seven years. We were foster parents for that time, trying to find kids to adopt. Um, what you probably don't know, and I don't think a lot of people know, is I had about three miscarriages. I was able to get pregnant. I just couldn't carry. Um, so, you know, after that third one, I told my husband, I'm like, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Go, th- those emotions that you go through um, with that kind of thing is, is guys, awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just told him I couldn't do that anymore. So he's like, whatever you want. If you don't want to quit trying, that's fine. And and I'm like, well. Um, so we talked about adoption. And he's like, okay, that's great. He goes, I just have one thing. He goes, we're not adopting out of country. There's kids here in this United States that need our help. And Amen. if we adopt, we're adopting here. I'm like, done. <laughs> so it, obviously, and I hate to bring up the age, but that's just that's just the world and the reality that we live in. Yeah. Again, that most people actively choose to adopt younger kiddos. Was that yeah. ever a factor for you guys? You know, when we first started getting kids, I never wanted infants um, just because it just, I was past that. I, I was older mm-hmm. too. Um, so I think I was um, 40-ish. Actually, probably a little bit younger, 39. Um, when, we, when we started getting kids and they were we never had an infant. We just had, I think, two and a half was our first placement. was a two and a half year old, and she just stole our hearts. Oh, she was just oh, such a great kid. I don't know how foster parents do it. I don't know how you. I don't know did how that. I did it either. When we did, we ended up losing her. She went back home, and then we got her a couple more times as mom fell out of this back into the system, and and but we kept in touch. And even though we weren't her foster parents anymore, we still took her. We paid for preschool. We. Had her, she lived with us while she went to preschool. Mom came and visited whenever she wanted. We had a really good relationship all together with her. Uh, she was really a phenomenal child. She, Before she left our house, she wasn't three yet, she was already reading. So we were reading to her, and she was already formulating the words and seeing the words and saying the words. Had an extensive vocabulary. She was just a really smart kid. Um, so we wanted to foster that and make sure that she had an upper hand because where she came from wasn't, you know, mom didn't have a lot. Mom had a lot of issues going on. Dad wasn't in the picture um, so it was just a lot of things against her, but if she had a good education and learned how to read at an early age, we knew she would be successful at whatever she did later on. Um, and, and even at school, you know, the teachers noticed and they really took, took her under their wing and fostered wow. that. So she was reading at like sixth grade level, um, by first and second grade. Wow. But yeah. you obviously, but we lost her, lost her. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was heartbreaking because yeah, how did you, I mean, you just said what you fostered for six, seven years, yeah. I think is what you just said. Yeah. And we had several kids in and out of the house at that time. How does your mama heart take that? <laughs> I, that, oh man, I couldn't it, do that, I don't know how foster parents do it. It's very difficult because we were in the process to adopt, but we were only getting placements to foster. Um, so it was just frustrating because we weren't getting any adoptable kids. And, you know, we, we always joked, if you wanted your kids back, you know, make sure they got placed with us because yeah. within a month or two, they're always yeah. back home. And I, I and I realize that is the ultimate goal of the foster care system. But I, I sometimes I think they just give them back prematurely mm-hmm. um, before the issues are worked out. Um, and so it was just, you know, that back and forth. And we lost, had kids, lost kids, had kids, lost kids. And. Jeez. So it, it, you know, it just wears on your heart and we weren't really happy with the, our local DCS office. So we, we stopped. I, I told my husband, I'm like, I can't take one more lie. I can't take one more, you know, um, we, we just didn't tell you because mm-hmm. we just didn't think you needed to know kind of thing. 
Um, so I said, I'm done. And then uh, ironically, a guy at work whose wife works at another county DCS approached me and we were talking and I told him what happened. He goes, why don't you talk to my wife? And she goes, I'm like, okay. And they knew her. I mean, we'd gone to parties at their house and stuff and she was very nice. So I talked to her and she's like, yeah, we've got tons of kids, um, adoptable kids, foster kids, whatever you want. Wow. <laughs> I can help you. So then you met, you met your son and daughter and you knew? We knew. We knew right away. I knew we knew the moment, the day they came to our house for the first visit, uh, by the time we were done with dinner, my husband and I both knew. Were they in foster care then at the time? Yes, they had been in foster okay. care for a long time. Um, so they were they were just in the process of terminating parental rights. Um, so they were in, already in that process by the time we got them. So we knew that, that they were going to be adoptable. So, Sophia, this is, I mean... There's no other way to paint this picture other than it's it's quite tragic. It is. Um, <laughs> when I look back now and think yeah. about it, I'm like, yeah, it absolutely is. That's why, I, I, again, it's the most remarkable story I think I've ever heard. So your kiddos are there. You and your husband are about to sign the papers to make it all official. They are moving in. This is a weekend. Your husband passes. You're supposed to have these kids officially as of that Wednesday. Yeah. Can you walk me through that conversation with them? I mean, here you are can't even imagine the level of grief that you are experiencing, let alone all of the other feelings that you experience at that time. Yeah. But then you have these two kids. And they were so sweet. They were just the sweetest kids. Um, and my son, um, you know, he really hadn't had a dad for most of his life. Um, and the dad of his dreams. I mean, my husband loved to fish. My son loved to fish. He wanted to learn how to hunt. He wanted to do martial arts. Love the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alabama football. Everything that my husband loved, my son loved. It was just like they were born to be together. Um, so that was what was really hard. Um, I wasn't in grief for myself. I was in grief for them, as odd as that may sound. But um, because I knew the life that they were coming, I guess, to accept was not going to be right, what they, it was going to be. They essentially... I don't mean to put it this blunt, but they'd signed up for two parents. Yeah, right? they did. And that's all that they've ever probably dreamed of and longed for i've not met your kids i don't know that but i, I think that's what every kid yeah wants right they just want two parents that love them a father and a mother and yeah. especially if they're a boy and a girl each gets their own you know yeah. mom and dad but i will say you know there's a reason why it takes two parents to make a child because it takes two parents to raise a child mm -hmm. it takes a male figure it takes a female figure i, I truly believe this in my heart doesn't mean that you can't raise a child on your own if you're a female and you can instill good values and all those kinds of things. It's just harder. Mm -hmm. It's harder to understand what boys go through or what girls need from a father. Um, and sometimes I think my son's missing out on that because he doesn't have one. Even though I have strong male figures in my life, my brother, my father, I have really good friends that are just, they take him, they do things with them. I had a friend one of my best friend's husbands coached him in Little League. And so I've had people step up, but it's not the same when it's not the father. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, that conversation I had with them at the time, um, you know, I came home and I told them what happened. And, you know, I, I think they were just stunned. Like, I, you know, he was just here. I, you know, I just went fishing with them. And, you know, she goes, I just said goodbye. We were just joking. And then he's just suddenly just gone. But I did have that conversation because I didn't know if they wanted to move forward with me. Um, I knew I did if that's what they wanted, um, but I knew that they were expecting two of us. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had that conversation and I told him, I said, look, if you're in, I'm in because I know you were looking for two. It's just going to be me. Um, but if it's not what you want, stay here till you find it. I'm okay with that. 
Um, if you're in, I'm in. And they both looked at me and said, they're in. So, you know, it was just one of those things where it, we picked up the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And I, they really, really helped me through that process. I think I helped them. Um, didn't always get it right. Boy, there were some struggles there. Well, I can only imagine some of the struggles that you have. Take the whole law enforcement thing out of it, because I do think there is a different dynamic. <laughs> there for, is. For there parents, is a total different yeah, dynamic. Um, that are in law enforcement. But just take that out of it, because not only did you adopt your kiddos, but you now are a single mom. From the get-go, did you have worries about, you mentioned, you know, how important a strong father figure is to the family unit. Did you have doubts in yourself or worries in yourself that, oh, can I do this as a single mom? Yeah, I still have doubts yeah. every day. Yeah. <laughs> every day when I have interaction with my son, I'm like, I'm just, I always feel like, what is he missing? What am I not providing And as part of that male bonding that, that males should have with someone? You know, I think every parent feels like, am I doing it well enough? Mm-hmm. Am I good enough? Am, am, what am I, am I causing more harm? <laughs> what oh, am I, I doing? I, like you said, you I don't know? think that is ever going to go away. I ask myself that every yeah. day too. And, and I think it's, you know, tougher for me, and I, I won't say tougher for me because I don't know other people's situations, but what's different for me is I don't know, I, I know a little bit of where they came from, but I don't know the extent of what they've been through. And, and that for me is, as, as an officer, I want to know, mm-hmm. you know, I want to know every detail because um, I want to know how I need to help. And so we had some real behavioral issues for my son early on. He, I got him in therapy right away. Um you know, those things turned in about a year. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, it took about a year. Um, but the thing, the difference between biological and adoptive parents is that you know where your kids mm-hmm. come from. You know your family history. You know your medical history. You know your mental history. I don't know anything about Are you allowed to kids. know that as an adoptive parent? How does that work, especially <sighs> with, with medical? Yeah, you would have to have a relationship with the biological parents. That's the only way you can't access yeah. that information via no. hospital rec- records I or anything mean, like that? They can tell you, like, hey, they've had a tetanus shot or they've had their, okay. their vaccinations. But I don't know that they get into, like, but what I'm looking at is, like, historically, like, what is my parents? Is my mom suffer from depression or anxiety yeah. or, or those kinds of things? There's just no way to know. This is not at all the same. But I, I genuinely can't imagine because we've always adopted pets. Like yeah. in my home, we've always adopted dogs. We just, we're one of those things, there's so many strays out there. Let's adopt. That's just yeah. something that we do. And um, we had a, a particular dog at one point that was scared of my husband, just completely petrified of males. But again, it's not that they could tell us anything about this dog's history, but obviously he had a, this, our, our dog had a terrible experience with males, whether that was he was beaten, kicked, or, or what, neglected, yeah. what have you. And it took us a really long time to get our dog not only okay with my husband, but then my husband's friends or other male figures that came into our home. And that's, again, not at all the same. But kind of the same. But yes, but I just yeah. can't imagine it on the scale of your kiddos. So, so take that, and it's kind of like... I'm not comparing my son to an animal, but right. it's and kind I'm not of like either, but... my son doesn't know how to express himself yeah. emotionally, right? right? He doesn't know how to. He's never been taught to. Yeah. And yeah. in, 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 if you look at society, we really don't teach males to express themselves emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be tough and yeah. strong and all the time. And um, so it's it's hard for, for a small boy who's been through so much and then to come out and express how he's feeling. Well, what does it turn into? It turns into anger, mm-hmm. it turns into outbursts, it turns into things that are masking what the root problem is. So once you find the root problem, and I think for him, honestly, um, I, I think it was loss, it was grief. It mm-hmm. was grief over you know, leaving his family unit, coming to our family unit, 
was grief of losing my husband. It was grief of the only father figure he was looking forward to. It was, it was all this grief, but it came out in different ways um, for him because he didn't know how to express the grief. Yeah, but you obviously noticed all that. You just said you got him in therapy right away. Yeah. What was his reaction? I mean, I can't imagine that being an easy conversation either. Oh, hey, honey, think it's a good idea. Maybe you have some therapy. I mean, how does that conversation get conducted? Well, um, I am me, so it just like <laughs> just kind told of spilled yeah, out. <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, we're gonna do this, and you know, I, I think. In some ways, my my son is still afraid of me. <laughs> so he just kind of goes along. You. What are you talking about? Yeah. So he just goes along with, with what I. Yeah. And he knows I'm not here to hurt him. And honestly, we were in therapy. So for, he was receptive of it. Obviously, he, he I went. Mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how receptive he was, um, honestly, because we went and I swear to you, at the end of the the year, we were coming up on a year. The therapist comes to me. He goes. So how's he doing? I'm like, well, actually, he's doing good. Grades are good. He's really interacting. He's making friends. He's not Mm -hmm. getting in trouble, those kinds of things. And and then he's like, well, you might want to save your money because he's only said about 20 words the entire time he's been here. What? (laughs) And I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, no. And I'm like, but he's but his behavior is changing because that's that's all you want to see. So, so he's, he's been listening. It. He's yeah. been listening to things I've been saying. And and I think, honestly, a lot of it was um, a fear of losing me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's waiting for the shoe to drop, right? Oh, yeah. And he's lost his Everything. regular family. Now he's lost the dad. Now he's just waiting for me. And, and we're going through, uh, as a police officer, you know, you're seeing this uptick of police violence. And he's seeing it on social media. He's seeing it on YouTube. You know, he's watching these... Police officers he's get probably killed scared for you to leave over. out the front door every day. Yeah, yeah. And, but he would never say it. Mm-hmm. But he was, and and so, and so as a light, a kid of a police officer, I, I think it just has a different level of worry for your kids, mm-hmm. even though they you don't think that they're they even notice or even care, but they do. Were your parents in policing? Or no. So no. So not. even you couldn't really full no. on identify with no with that feeling of of fear. No, I I couldn't when you walked I, you out know, the front door. Now, I had a pretty normal childhood. My parents are still married after 50, 54 years. So it, it's just, we never had, I never, abuse, neglect, it was, those mm-hmm. are things that are foreign to me. Um, so, you know, I'm dealing with all these things in my own kids and it's, it's eye-opening um, and it's a real learning curve for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of parents struggle. My daughter's only two and a half, so I haven't had to walk down this road. It doesn't mean I won't have to, but I think a lot of parents struggle with that point of, when do I seek professional help for my child? And it seems like, again, that that really wasn't even like, it almost sounded like you didn't even debate it. Yep, he needs some therapy. I need to get him in. I mean, what what kind of advice would you give to other mamas who now, because I think that would be a really challenging conversation to have with your kiddo. But should it be? I mean, I think, I think that, I think we've come to view therapy as some kind of like, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When sometimes it's just trying to figure out your little puzzle inside your head and putting it together. Um, I, I, I don't, I see a therapist through work four times a year um, just to do a lot of work therapy through the, but a lot of times we just end up talking about my family because um, I have family issues just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I just um, say, don't we all? <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, I don't want anyone to misconstrue that when I talk here that my life is perfect or my kids are perfect or they don't get in trouble or they don't cause me grief and worry, anxiety because they do all mm-hmm. of it. But I'm just I just tried to raise for as little time as I had them two people that would just be productive citizens. Yeah. 
And I hope that I did that. Um, I did the best I could with the information I had yeah. at the time. Well, could I do things differently? Absolutely. I think we all can look back and like, oh, I should have done that differently. I should have yelled then. Yeah. I should have just done this. Uh, but I don't think you realize, Sophia, that it goes a long way that you're sitting here. I don't want to say maybe, I don't know if this is even the right word, normalizing therapy. Like, hey, it really is no big deal. Like you just said, it's learning how to put those puzzle pieces together. And, uh, you know, I've heard actually you use this example. So I'm actually stealing your words. Um you know, you go to the doctor when you have a broken arm to figure yeah. out how to fix it and put it back together, right? Yeah. You want it to heal. You want it to be strong. You want it to be able to function properly. Same thing with your brain, uh, with your heart, with your mind. Sometimes you need to go to therapy yeah. to learn how to make sure those pieces are properly put together so you can be a positive contribution to society, like you said, just raising a good person. Yeah. And, you know, I've learned a lot over the years and just in policing, I, my folk, a lot of my focus early on was mental health. You know, we helped start the CIT program on the police department. So we focused mental health, went to, went to Memphis and we looked at their program and brought it back here. Um, so I, I really had this mental health kind of purview, if you will, over my career. And so I've just taken that into my personal life. And I might not have always been, my, my husband's death changed me for sure, yeah. for sure. I am a lot more empathetic. I am a lot, I, I know people aren't going to believe me, I'm a lot more calm. <laughs> I don't think people <laughs> well, will believe like, too much of that. I think though. I should have met Sophia in like yeah, 2015, before, yeah. 2014. Um, and then as I've worked through a lot of my own grief, um, and I did, I did become a yoga instructor a couple years ago, and that training there probably opened my eyes more to me and who I was than anything I've ever done in my life. Like I, that was probably a three months of intensive therapy. That but you came, didn't know you needed. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I needed it. Well, I probably knew I probably needed it, but <laughs> <laughs> I was reluctant to, to do it. Yeah. Um, and not because I thought there was some stigma, but I just didn't have time, right? But at the time I took yoga instructor school, I felt my life was out of control. I felt, I felt, I felt broken. I mm -hmm. felt like I couldn't function properly. And, and if I put more and more thing on my plate to keep myself busy, so I didn't have to deal with everything else I needed to deal with, I mean, I was going to break. Mm -hmm. So I was glad that a friend of mine talked me into that. Like the best thing I could have done. And it's just working through emotions and identifying what those emotions are. Cause man, I could be angry, but that's not what my, the emotion that's bothering me is. It's, mm -hmm. it's something else. And what is it? So learning to identify that, working through it and letting it go. Well, that's the thing about yoga. It almost forces you to face all the crap that you don't want to face Yeah, because it's just you. Uh, I mean, yes, you might be in a class with 20 other, other folks, but it, it's just you holding that pose and there's silence. That's it's nice. It. it is. It is quite nice. Yeah. But it also can be really terrifying for someone yeah. who isn't comfortable with being silent in their own head. Yeah. And and that's a lot of people because mm -hmm. we are so inundated with with everything. I mean, these phones are I've just taken over our lives and everything on it and what we see and what we hear and what we're doing with them. And it's just overwhelming. And it's it's even more so for our kids. Mm -hmm. Right. So we we. We sometimes we give them these phones and here, go take that and go. And yeah. I can see it, right? Yep. I, one thing I cannot stand is to go into a restaurant and see everyone at the table on their, on their phone phones. and not yep. talking. Yep. So we've that was lost, always a rule. We've lost the art of the dinner table. Yeah, and that know? was always a rule at my house. Mm -hmm. No phones at the table. Mm -hmm. 
Except mom, because she might get paged. But I'm not on it. <laughs> right. It's there in case I need to hear it. And, and moms could be life or death here. Mom yeah. needs to have her phone nearby. Yeah. I think that's mom fair. Mom keeps the roof over our that's, heads. Exa- so. Yeah, exactly. That but too. there's nothing important that you guys need to be on your phone for. You said it, you know, with you being in law enforcement, uh, you've been in law enforcement for almost 30 years now. God, don't make it sound like Sorry. <laughs> okay, 28 years, right? Is it 28 years? Okay. It's be 29 okay. this year. Okay, 20, I was trying. I, try, I, I said almost I 30. But... And you just said it, you know, your son, and, and probably your daughter does to some extent, too. I don't know. Your daughter's, what, 18 now? 19? Yes, 18. 18. So how old's your son now? He'll be 17 He'll be in 17. a couple of days, yeah. But so he dealt with a lot of that fear and anxiety every time you walked out the front door simply because of your job. I mean, is that a fair statement to say that kiddos that have parents as first responders probably do deal with a lot more of fear and anxiety than than other kiddos? Absolutely. Today yeah. especially, because they see it. They're mm-hmm. inundated with it. Um even when we went through the protests here in town, I, I remember I my daughter never told me, but I could see it in her eyes. She was what scared for me for to folks leave. Who aren't from oh, this I'm area. sorry. Um, so during the George Floyd, Floyd protest, mm-hmm. Fort Wayne had an eruption uh, for a few days here that was that took us outside of our normal duty hours. So I was working like I, I think that week I worked like 80 hours in a week, just keeping up with media and keeping up with things that were going on here in the city. We had our our riot squad out. We had protests throughout damaged all that kind of stuff throughout Fort Wayne and I could see it in my daughter's eyes when like she was almost teary-eyed when I would leave she was Mm -hmm. scared she was scared for me because she saw everything that was going on around the country and while ours didn't get to the level of some places I mean it very easily could have and so I think there's a heightened level for for kids of law enforcement that that people don't understand and I know that I've had friends who've retired and they've had conversation with their kids about retiring and they're like thank god Thank God you're finally done. Now I can quit worrying. Yeah. I would Um, imagine that same for kids who have parents in the military, you know, active duty. I would assume it's the same. What would be some of your best advice then, Sophia, whether it's yours or that you've heard from other parents that are also first responders, active duty, what have you, you know, kind of in that same field when it comes to talking to your kiddos about this fear and this anxiety because it's real. I think you have to acknowledge it, acknowledge what they're feeling um, because it's they're not you. Or I say, yeah, you know, honey, I'll be home. I can say that, but I can't guarantee that. But you don't know that. that, yeah. I mean, even if I wasn't an officer, I can't guarantee that. Um, but so acknowledge it. Hug them. Love them. Um, my son now, my daughter's not home anymore, but my son now, he when he walks out that door every single time, I love you. Mm-hmm. He says it or I say it. Mm-hmm. And then we respond back, I love you. I love you too. Be careful. But I want him to know that I genuinely do love him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he may have not have ever heard that for most of his life, but he's hearing it now, you know, ad nauseum, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mom, I know. Yeah, I know, yeah. mom. Um, but I just, I just want people to acknowledge whatever your kids are feeling, because yeah. if you, if you kind of tamp it down or poo-poo them, you know, they're not going to come to you when they need to especially come to you. Especially a boy, especially a boy. And, yeah. and if, let's say he's having anxiety. That would probably be a harder emotion for a boy to confide in his mom about yeah um and i always I, you know you can tell with your kids mm-hmm. you can tell when they're going through something i always know sometimes i i know when he needs conversation for me because yeah. he'll come and seek it so read uh, the signs what are the, yeah. some things again you're in law enforcement obviously i think we've made that pretty clear and and you and i talk on a regular basement or basis there's a lot of scary things that i know come across your desk there's a lot of scary things that come across my desk in terms of the media what are some things that you think parents should be like just hyper vigilant and aware of right now so much i think we're all worried on some level of parents of something happening to our kids but really it's it's 
the things that have always been present, we're just hearing about them now because of social media yeah. and the news, the news cycles, 24 hours. I mean, when I grew up, you know, when I grew up, you know, at midnight, the little red, white, or the multicolored screen came on, the tones came yep, on, you know, yep. the, I the national say, anthem. You blink and there's a new news story we yeah. all need to be aware of. So you see these things coming on and it looks like it's a lot and it sometimes it is. But I think we need to be aware of like our our children's friends, know who they're with, yeah. know where they're going. Um, I don't I don't consider that helicopter momming uh, be, to want to know where your kids are and who they're hanging out with. You should know. Um, my my son's on Life 360. Do I check it all the time? Absolutely not. I don't even know what I that just, is, Sophia. <laughs> what is Life 360? So it's basically a GPS app that you can track your kids. Um, if you buy nice. it, you can see how fast they're driving in their car. You can see, you can... Do make, they know that this is on their phones? My son does know. Okay. Yes. And you know what? Honestly, I don't really check it all that much. But it just gives me a little bit of peace that I know where he is. You know, um, always making sure you're talking to your kids about drugs, um, especially with the fentanyl we have in town, um, the xylazine that's coming mm-hmm. in. It just every marijuana too. I mean, it's it's all bad news. How how do you talk to them though? Again, you you got a young boy who's 17. Yeah. How do you talk to them to the point that they will actually receive it and they aren't like, yeah, 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 I know, mom, I know, mom. Well, they're going to receive it like that regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I won't. Blah, blah, blah. But then they do. <laughs> because they're kids, right? They're, they're going to experiment. They're going to. But but now it's experimentation you can be deadly. It could kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So I just have these conversations often. Like, look. And I, I lay it out. It's like, not, I don't want you to not do it just because it's illegal. I explain to them why. Like, look, most of this stuff you're going to take isn't what you think it is. It's this. And there's, I, I present them with the facts that I know because I'm a police officer. Mm-hmm. We've had, you know, 700 overdoses in the last year. And of that, we've had 294 people die, you know. So mm-hmm. I present these facts and, I, and they're probably are like, oh, rolling their eyes at me and stuff. But it sinks in mm-hmm. at some, I know it sinks in because we went through a year of therapy. He didn't say a word <laughs> and his behavior changed. That's true. Yeah. So they're, they're listening. They're probably going to roll their eyes at you. They're probably going to do whatever. But I always take the opportunities to... Um, to talk to them about whatever it is. Like my daughter, we talked about domestic violence. We talked about rape. We talked about all sorts of things through music. Hmm. Um, you can do that through music, through shows on TV, things that are happening on the show. You can talk about it after the movie. We talked about suicide. You know, she watched 13 Reasons and and we talked about it. We talked about so many things. And I want, to peop- I want parents to understand that just because you say something, you're not planting seeds in your kid's head. If you talk about suicide, you're not going to make them do it. Um, th- well, I think that's a, that's a big concern. It parents, is, so. but you're never going to make someone do something just by talking about something. Mm-hmm. That may be the first time you're acknowledging that they may be feeling something like that, and then they may feel more confident or comfortable talking to you about it. Um, so I, I never miss an opportunity so to talk. Let me okay. Let me ask you this then, because yeah. you brought the thirteen reasons why. That, mm-hmm. That's the show you're just talking about. This a couple of years old, I yeah. think now, now at this point. But the show is essentially all about this young chick who committed suicide and kind of leaves this trail of clues, right, for her yeah. friends to find out why or what happened to her, something along those lines, right? I mean, it was years ago. I feel like. How do you, as a mom slash uh, woman in policing? view shows like that i mean you just said just because you talk about it doesn't mean you're planting seeds but to some level do you feel like those kinds of shows because to me that show i only watched a couple of episodes because i had to see what what everyone was talking about and to me i thought it was awful because to me i thought it almost glorified suicide and made it look like something that ooh, i should do this because then i'm gonna get all of my friends to rally and and find out what happened to me and two things um I don't necessarily care for shows a lot of times that 
glorify things, over-sexualize things. Mm-hmm. I, it's not my cup of tea for kids. Um, as adults, you know, I like raunchy humor as much as the next person. Sure. But yeah. for kids, this is where we come in as parents. This is what we have to do. Our kids are going to watch this. If it's at my house, if it's at a friend's house, they're going to seek it out mm-hmm. because we're telling them not to. Mm-hmm. I would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, it was the show Airplane, right? That old. Sorry, Sophia. Mom. I'm only 34 okay, years I old. Know, I don't know, I know that one. <laughs> so all you older moms may know. <laughs> but it was a really uh, controversial. It was like yeah. a bunch of. Like, for me, it was MTV. Just... I wasn't allowed to watch MTV. See? So when I'd go yeah. to my friend's house. You'd watch it. Correct. Wouldn't you? Correct. So knowing this, we, we have to be aware and we have to then initiate those conversations mm-hmm. with our kids about the topic. You know, if you don't want them to watch it, explain why. But you better have a reason why. Yeah. Because just like because I told you so is not going to hold water and they're going to yes. do it you anyway. Better, I mean, I, that that should be on a bumper sticker. You know, you got to give them a reason why. Yeah. I'm already <clears> discovering <throat> that my daughter's two and a half. I'm like, oh, honey, don't touch that hot stove. Why? why? <laughs> I'm like, because it's hot. Why? Because like, will burn Because I head. turn it on, it will give you an ouchie, you know? <laughs> Man, I spend my living with the show that I do. I host a conservative news talk radio program, and I feel like every day when I open my mouth, I need to know why. Why I believe what I believe, why I stand for what I stand for, right? And I live my life by that mantra yeah. for the most part. However, now that I've had a, a child, it suddenly opened this new, like, world of why to me. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, I need to be able to explain why you can't touch a hot stove. Like, it's very new territory for me. And then I've all of a sudden been thinking about, like, well, I'm going to have to be able to explain to her why she can't watch this show. Or, or I don't want her to, because like yeah. you just said, she's probably going to watch she's it She's going to watch it. But I better be equipped yeah. with the why. And I better get equipped real fast. And you need to talk about the subject. So it's not just about the movie. It's about the subject. Mm-hmm. I think we do kids a real disservice, and I see this happen when when there's a suicide, when someone dies by suicide at a a high school or a middle school. And they don't want to talk about it. The kids are talking about it, but the administrators are like, oh, we don't want to talk about it because then more people are going to do it. No, we have this is the moment where we have to talk about our kids, talk to our kids about this subject and let them have let them get those emotions out because if we we keep tamping them down, they're gonna find a, a way to release those emotions in a non-healthy way. Okay, this is kind of a good segue to something I wanted to get in with you. We all know just recently we had that mass shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, which I think there can be a conversation there too of how you talk to your kiddos about that. But and I, I would love to hear your mom slash law enforcement officer thoughts on that. But I came across this report and it kind of blew my mind and it actually made me think of you, Sophia. <laughs> And it said that parents are starting to opt their kiddos out of active shooter drills and lockdown drills at schools because of the trauma it's causing their kids. And when I first saw this, I was like, you what? Because to me, it's kind of like what you're talking about. It's kind of like we're just sweeping it under the rug and it's like, okay, we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to not even acknowledge that this is a real thing. And so I wanted to bring that up to you because, A, from a law enforcement point of view, this kind of blows my mind, but also from your mama point of view. They intersect for sure. Yeah, they for sure intersect. Um, And and I'll say this. If you're opting your kid out of of active shooter training, are you opting them out of tornado and fire drills as well? We've never lost kids in a fire at school, but yet we do this two two and three times a year. have this huge fire drills. You know, would you keep your kid out of that for the trauma they may experience in a fire drill? No. But more often we've seen where we've had active shooters at schools. Um, Why wouldn't you want your kid prepared for that? And what an awesome opportunity when that day happens to talk about 
Right, to be able to have that conversation. Yeah, and what are you fearful of? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and be honest with your kid, because they're talking about it at school. You don't think they talked about this shooting in Nashville at yeah. nauseum? Mm-hmm. And this violence that we just have perpetuated in, in music and movies and, and just in general, you know, in YouTube. I mean, in Facebook, you can Facebook yeah. Live someone killing someone, you know? Um, so it's all around them, but no one's talking about it. No one's talking about person doing it i mean we, we get we get caught up in the mechanism of how they did yes, it yes exactly instead of the reasons why, why they they're did doing it, it. Mm-hmm. um and and i think that's where we do our kids a real disservice um it, i've always talked about talked to my son i still talk to him because he's still in high school and we have this conversation i'm like honey i said if you can get out get out mm-hmm. go through a window put you know and i and i and i tell him i'm like take a desk, throw it through the window, mm-hmm. get out. If you are in a position to help other people, help them. Mm-hmm. If, if you can safely do it. Um, if you cannot get away, then you need to fight. You got to fight like hell. You got to yeah. fight. We talk about it, not a lot, but when things like this happen, we just, I just So you, you are having these conversations head on with your kiddos. But now granted, your kiddos are 17 and 18. Yeah, they're older. Would same advice apply? Let's say if you had a seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year old. What I tell, what I would tell them would be probably different in a different way. But, but you'd still, I would still have on. the conversation. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's a bad. I don't think there's any bad that can come of having a conversation. Something I've been, you know, just pouring over this again. My daughter's two and a half, and unfortunately, um, a lot of times you hear our generation of kiddos, um, the lockdown generation. Whether that's true or not, we could debate that another day. But that's. That's what a lot of young kids are being called these days or the lockdown generation. So I know at some point I'm obviously going to have to have similar conversations with my daughter about whether it's active school shootings, fire drills, what have you. Same kind of concept, these lockdowns. And all all I keep coming back to is that no matter what, I want to be her safe space, whether it is to talk about a lockdown or some TV show. I just I always want to foster this environment that I can create a really safe space for her that we can talk about things from from lockdowns to suicide to gender identity i don't know whatever whatever it may be but i'm telling you i'm like already trying to prep myself now to be that safe space for when it arrives and it is so hard yeah like it really is because man i can be judgy as any get out i try not to be i try not to try not to be so judgy but man i could be set in my ways too and my ways not be might not be my child's ways Mm mm-hmm um, my choices are not my child's choices. Um, we, we can do everything we can do, and then our kids can still make poor choices. Yeah. And, but they do that because they're kids. Right. And it's taken me a long but time. But they've always got to know you're the safe space work. they can still yes. come back to. Yes. You know? Um, you know, right now, I'll be honest, I'm struggling with my daughter yeah. and making poor choices. And I, I don't condone the choices. Those are, But they're hers to make, right? She is now 18 years old. She's making her choices mm-hmm. All I can do is say what I need to say to say, look, I don't agree with that. You're going to get hurt, but they're your choices to make. You have to figure it out. But when you want to come home, I'm here and the door's always open for you. Well, that's the thing about this podcast, though, too. I want it to be that safe space for mamas, soon to be mamas, people who maybe aren't even moms yet, because there are going to be a few of those down the road, too. (laughs) 
this being that safe space, because you just said it, hey, I'm having struggles with my daughter. Oh, hey, gosh. I didn't do it all yeah. right. Hey, I can't always figure out how to be a safe space. Yeah. To say it all and admit it all, because we've all been there, done that, or yeah. it's going to happen to us <laughs> one way or the other. I just, sometimes it gets frustrating. Like you said, I'm not here to put on this front like I've done everything right and I'm perfect. But so many mamas do that. They do. And, I can't and I'm telling why. you right now, if, <laughs> if someone tells you they have it all together, they figured They're it lying. out, their kids are perfect, they are lying. Yeah. And they're presenting this fake front. And when you I, see that just, perfectly, you know, pictured home of the living room on Instagram, you know there are toys and crap in the corner that they shoved yeah. in there. I mean, we all shove it in our closet, Absolutely. right? When people come over, don't open my closet just, if you come to my house. Just close the door. Just <laughs> go open my junk drawers because they are heaping with, Heck, with crap. I'm like, don't go upstairs. <laughs> don't go to the whole upstairs. Stay downstairs. Yeah. Um, really quick, when it comes to, I do. I mean, I know we're kind of talking about trauma. And it got a little deep, Sophia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When you're talking about trauma, though, particularly, you know, shootings, this mass shooting that we were talking about in Nashville, in terms of just young people and, and it's coming across your desk, so to speak, not that you're behind a desk, but coming across you every day in your line of work and you've been on the force for almost 30 years. How do you feel like trauma has played a role in impacting your young kiddos, you know, from 25 years ago to now? Ooh, it. I think... Unresolved trauma is probably the reason why we have the issues that we have today that's permeating our society. Um, we have a whole generation of kids being raised by grandparents because their kids are addicted to to drugs. Yeah. Um, it, it just the, the addiction factor that we have in this country and we are seeking more and more drugs. We are we are the most drug-seeking society in the entire world. I firmly believe that. We think that there is a drug for every ailment or every hurt and every ouchie and every low day Every that we feeling, have. Yes. yes. Yeah. And instead of just letting those feelings, and there's a time and a place for, for, for meds. I, I'm full for it if you need it, but you're allowed to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to have a bad day. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to cry for a couple days mm-hmm. when it gets into weeks or months, then, then you might have a deeper issue. You probably need to seek medical treatment for But but man, we, we get into this place where oh, I don't want to be sad or I don't want to feel this. So we, we just drug it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's manifested into the big crisis that we have right now with, with drugs and why we're such a drug seeking nation. And it's ruining our children because yeah. they they learn they don't learn resiliency. They don't learn how to cope. They don't learn what to do to cope or how to deal with these things or how to work through them. All they think is, oh, I saw a mom take a drug, so let me take a drug. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's a good and point. Kids, kids, I'll tell you this right now, and I'm a firm believer in this, kids will never do what you tell them. They will do what you show them. Mm-hmm. So you have to be that person that they look to and say, my mom does it this way. That must be the way I need to do it. My, my favorite is there's this, um, this video that went viral on social media, and it, and it showed this mom eating potato chips right telling her kiddo which maybe was four or five that you need to eat your vegetable and the whole time the mom is eating potato chips so of course the kiddo doesn't want to eat vegetables now i know that's kind of a silly no, example it's but it's thing. the same exact thing you I know mean, look with the phone yeah Just don't be on your phone for eight hours a day meanwhile i'm texting right. while meanwhile, i'm telling my kid not to be on the phone you know we have they have to see us emulating the behaviors we want them to yep. have right yep. so if i want my kids to exercise i better be getting my butt out and exercising it's it's funny you say that so we are we are peloton people in my house <laughs> i'm a biker i used to be a runner my whole life but yeah. it took a toll on my knees my yeah. hips i mean i'm 34 but my body i mean I, I know i'm still young but my body wasn't having hitting the pavement anymore so we we we've, i've been on the peloton now for a couple of years and some friends of ours got our daughter um 
a little like mini Peloton. It's not really a Peloton, but a little workout yeah. bike. But we actually put it into the room that we work out in. She comes in and sits on her bike while mommy works out or daddy works out. We always try to bring her in when the other one's working out because it is really important for us that she sees an active lifestyle that yeah. her parents have, that her parents are healthy and not sitting around eating potato chips. Not that we don't, but I'll be honest, I, I'm like going over to the to the pantry and sneaking a Rice Krispie treat here and there because I don't always want her to think that's what Ooh, you but snack she hears on. You. Oh, I know. She hears you in there with that wrapper and says, Mom, what are you doing? What, what are you eating? What are you eating? Why? Why? Yeah. Why? That's what it is. Why are you sneaking that? Um, really quick, I know, um, I don't, if you really know me, you know this about me. Um, and I know you know this story, Sophia, too. But my husband and I have always thought about adopting. In fact, when I was 14 years old, I went on a mission trip to Honduras and stayed at an all-girls orphanage. And it completely changed my life at such a young age. In fact, I walked away from that experience thinking everyone needs to go on a mission trip at some point in their lives. But I walked away also from that experience. God had put it on my heart like, hey, adoption might be the route for you. So in fact, my whole life I grew up thinking I'm not going to have biological children. That was something that I didn't think that God had destined for me. Um, I thought that at a really young age and I thought I was supposed to adopt. And so fast forward, I've already said it, I have a, I have a two and a half year old. Um, uh, God obviously had different plans for me, which yeah. praise, praise the Lord that he did because <laughs> right? I can't imagine my life uh, without my baby girl. But here we are, you know, my husband and I, she's almost three, our daughter. And, you know, talking to you and you obviously adopted your kiddos. So for someone who is like me contemplating it, I'm not saying it's something we are going to do. I'm, I'm not saying it's something we're not going to do. But I know there are a lot of people out there who either A, can't have children for whatever reasons that may be, or maybe God has put adoption on their heart as well. What would be some of your, your final thoughts, best advice, best practices, whatever it might be when it comes to adopting kiddos? Do you recommend doing the fostering first? Because that scares the heck out of me. It's hard. The fostering is hard. I'm not going to lie. Just because you never know if they're staying or going. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, it just gets hard. I and once you do it. Once I, I don't you know see, Yeah. And once you bond with those kids, it's so hard yeah. because you know what they're going back to. And not to say that they can't, parents can't get it together because I've seen several that have. But nine times out of ten, they're, they're, yeah. they're back in the system, as, as I've seen um, and experienced. I also can't imagine bringing in... A foster child now with my daughter at two and a half. Like, to, to me, like, now would not even be the right time to foster because you just don't know what, like you just said, you don't know the background. Yeah, you don't know, you don't know the history, what they've been history. through. Only what they've told you yeah. or only what they think they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've learned with my own kids, there was much more that I didn't know um, that came out through therapies and stuff like that. So um, my my. I, I would say I, I would encourage people to adopt. I think it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a it's a gift to not only your to the child but to yourself as well because, uh, man, they've just they were a blessing to me when I needed a blessing, and um, but I would I would caution people. You know, find out as much as you can, um, and don't be afraid of the older kids. Um, yeah, I didn't get a lot of time with my kids, and they kind of set in their ways. So it's kind of it's a little more difficult sometimes. But man, those older kids. Are, there's a lot of love there, and, um, and the experience isn't always great, but it's not like that with a biological child either. No, I had um, zero. No, <laughs> no, I had never yeah. even changed a diaper until I had my child. Yeah, so, um, and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, can, yay. Um, but, you know, I like you them walking get, and talking. You can come toddler experience <laughs> yeah. with, with baby girl if you want um, to. But they're just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids are great. Um, Kids are amazing. And they add so much value to your life. And even if you're not, even if that's not the way to go, then think about being a big brother, big sister, a mentor um, to some kids. Because right now, these kids desperately need 
good people in their lives. And I would encourage anyone that has the time to do that to really seek that out. Um, they need good foster parents. You know, um, if you're from Indiana, you know the Indianapolis 500. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids in foster care in this nation would fill that stadium up and there still wouldn't be enough seating. There'd be 100,000 wow. seats left that they don't have. So there's that many kids in foster care. So we really, they really, people really need to step up and provide those homes. Well, Sophia, I meant what I said at the start of this episode. You you are a colleague of mine to some degree, but I also very much consider you a friend and very much a mentor. I think you are a remarkable woman. You are an incredibly intelligent woman, um, and you have one heck of a story. Secretly or maybe not so secretly, because I've said this to you before, I hope that someday we see you make a run for office, hint, hint. You truly are just an absolute warrior. And I thank you for being here to share with such transparency. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And we didn't get to everything I wanted to talk about. But I just, I guess I want to say thanks. And thanks for doing this, because I think it's important, especially for other moms, to know that we don't all have it together. No. We're not all perfect. Our kids are doing stuff that we don't even know they're doing until we find out, you know, a week or two later. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's nothing we haven't done either. Um, so let's take it easy on our kids, make sure they're healthy, happy, and Give make sure they're grace. loved. Yeah. 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 Loved that they feel safe. Man, I think that's my my biggest frustration as a new mom. A lot of times as moms, I think we can feel insignificant. You know, our identity gets buried in being a mom. And... If we don't have so many followers on Facebook or if we don't have the perfectly staged living room or live in a a certain area of town, we get discouraged. Like we're not doing good enough or I'm not raising my child where I want to or how I want. Like it can be kind of discouraging and and sometimes feel lonely when the reality is we're all in the same boat. We are. We're all having these same struggles and challenges. So hopefully this is the place where we can talk about a lot of those things. Yes, we're going to have a few politics here and there, which we didn't get too political. A little bit. A little little bit. We didn't get too knees deep into politics, but we're going to keep the theme going here of all things motherhood, soon to be moms, women who aren't even moms yet. They're going to be joining us here on the News Mom Podcast. If you have one takeaway from today's episode, I hope that it's the message that no matter what you're going through as a parent, as a new parent, as an adoptive parent or a wannabe mama, you know, that there clearly is light on the other side of all of that turbulence you're going through. I truly can't imagine the same week that I'm officially about to adopt two kiddos that my husband dies of a sudden heart attack. Um, I can't. I don't I don't want to imagine that. It's hard enough being a parent in 2023, but then have to do it solo and to do it as gracefully as Sophia has done. I think it's remarkable. I think it's brave. I think it's beautiful. The way that Sophia was able to find her feet. And I think if she can find her way through all of that turbulence, hopefully you can find your way through whatever season you may be in right now. And, and please, 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 I actually want to echo something that Sophia said. Please, please, please talk to your kiddos. I know it sounds like such a generic mom PSA, right? We hear that all the time from teachers, administrators, law enforcement. But, you know, in today's day and age, we live in a world that's all about do you, be you, whatever makes you happy on the inside, whatever makes you feel good on the inside, right? We are surrounded by that kind of messaging day in and day out. Our kiddos are absorbing that kind of messaging day in and day out. And truthfully, I think that kind of messaging is such a disservice 
not only to our kiddos, but also to us as parents. Because yes, it's important to feel good about yourself on the inside, but the problem with everyone walking around thinking that they should just feel happy and be happy all the time and do what makes them feel good is the fact that that's a myth. People aren't walking around just endlessly happy all the time, right? I mean, I, I try to. I try to find joy in everything, but we're allowed to feel sad. We're allowed to have days where we are upset or uncontrollably angry. That's just part of human nature. So when you preach the fact that you need to be endlessly happy 24-7 all the time, you truly are doing a disservice to our kiddos. You are doing a disservice to parents. You are doing a disservice to, to society. Think about this. One in 10 adults will attempt suicide and one in five will suffer from depression. That right there statistically proves you that not everyone around you is walking around happy. Peaches, sunshine, and roses. Think of all of the harm that you're doing by just preaching, do whatever makes you feel happy. That's an unattainable goal because you are not going to be happy 24-7. That belief that it seems like everyone is pushing in today's society does the exact opposite. It breeds more unhappiness. Truth of the matter is, if you're not happy, you're not defective. If you're not unhappy, there's, there's not something wrong with you. That is such a myth. We spend so much time being concerned about our diet, you know, at the dinner table in terms of potato chips or broccoli, but we, we don't put enough emphasis on our diet of the mind when it comes to what we consume. Our kids are consuming a lot of junk when it comes to the media, social media. They're getting a lot of junk from their friends. Um, they're hearing about drugs through movies, music, TV shows. You get the idea. Talk to your kids even if it's hard. Because otherwise, they're going to keep consuming the steady diet of do you, be you, whatever makes you feel happy. Because, again, at the end of the day, if you don't talk to your kiddos now, it's going to be even harder down the road if at that point you can even have a conversation. I realize I'm not a therapist, but if you have one takeaway from me, I hope that be it, that you just you at least try. You at least try to talk to your kids. No, I have not been a mama for very long, but one thing that my parents did for me um, was always create this safe space And again, that would be my takeaway for you to always be that safe place for your kiddos, whether it's talking about drugs and alcohol and sex or it's talking about gender identity, TikTok or any other tough issue out there. Be that safe space, because if you aren't, they will find someone else to be that safe space for them, whether it's their best friend, a teacher, an administrator, a neighbor or Taylor Swift. um, You certainly don't want your kiddos getting advice from their BFF or Taylor Swift, right? I don't ever want my daughter to be fearful to come to me to tell me what's on her mind, to to tell me what's in her heart or what she's dealing with uh, or what her friends are dealing with. I don't ever want her to be fearful to come to her mama for advice or wisdom. Be that safe space. If you are enjoying the News Mom podcast so far, truly, I hope that you are. I know we're still raw. I know we're still young, but please subscribe to the News Mom podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you download this podcast. Give us a five-star rating. That truly is the most important thing that you can do for me and for all of us making this News Mom podcast possible. Um, I say this all the time. I'm not hiding behind some crazy paywall for you, uh, for you to access this content. So truly, um, just click the subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a rating that would be very very helpful and very very much appreciated until next time this is the news mom podcast she chases toddlers while chasing stories this is news mom